Yo, next round is about to start. You ready? Yeah, yeah, just shopping for a car in Carvana. For real? Yeah, Carvana makes it super convenient to shop whenever, wherever. For real? That's a ton of car options. Yep, and these are all within my price range. For really real? You can afford that? Yeah, with Carvana. And boom, just like that, I'm getting it delivered in a couple days. For really, really real? You just bought a car. For real, and you just lost. My turn. Visit Carvana.com to shop for thousands of vehicles under $20,000. Hi, it's Gabby Reese, and this podcast is powered by Laird Superfood. It was created in our kitchen by my husband, big wave surfer Laird Hamilton, and it all started with a simple idea. What began as Laird's secret for long-lasting energy on the waves is now Laird Superfood, offering a full range of delicious plant-based creamers, coffee, greens, and more. Visit LairdSuperfood.com and use the code GABBY2024 and save 20% on your first order. Bring spring color inside this season with Bare Premium Plus paint, starting at just $28.98 a gallon at The Home Depot. Add a pop of blue to your kitchen with the bare exclusive color Arrowhead Lake or a splash of Amazon jungle to your living room. Bring a cool breeze to your bathroom with sea glass or accent your bedroom with sunrise-inspired colors like coral cloud and dark crimson. Let your creativity bloom this spring with bare premium plus paint starting at just $28.98 a gallon at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Behind the wheel, under the hood, and beyond with Car Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hi, welcome to Car Stuff. I'm Scott. And Ben, and we are here as always with our super producer, Noel the Nomad Brown. I like yeah, I thought that was that was cool. Sometimes we don't always get 100% on the nicknames, but uh, this one I feel is solid. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm not even going to try to give you an alternate. <laughs> I, I usually try, but it, it falls short. So, Well, if you think of one on the way, or Noel, if you think of one, of course, chime in. Uh, so we're doing something that we haven't done before. We are doing listener response to a single episode. Yeah, normally we do a nuts and bolts type episode sure. where we respond to listener mail en masse kind of with uh, you know everything that comes in from the last uh, month or two months or whatever. And uh, it's just kind of a, a big mix of everything. This one we are going to remain focused on the hitchhiking topic because that was, uh, I think it was the, the focus of Ben's mystery show number three. Yes. And uh, we got a lot of listener response about this because, uh, well, it's, uh, would you say it's a hot button issue? I don't know if you can call it that because people weren't like irate about it or anything. No, they were just no. saying, here's my experience. I had a good experience or I had a bad experience with it or kind of indifferent. I mean, I've had good and bad. Here's what happened. And uh, we got some limericks yeah. about hitchhiking. Yeah, we got some limericks. Uh, so there's going to be a little bit of everything here. Just some quick face, uh, you know, Facebook posts mm-hmm. that say, you know, here's how I feel about it. And others that were very lengthy. We've got one especially long email that I think we're going to read all the way through. That don't tune out when you hear this because this story is fascinating, and it comes from a young listener. We'll get to that later. Right. We're going to save that one. But uh, what what we're going to do first? We have just a little bit of administrative work, right? Oh, that's right. Okay. <laughs> I'm glad you reminded me, Ben. I have to uh, I have to read a, a slight correction. Now, this correction came from a listener. Um, his name is Alan B. And Alan wrote in right after the motorcycle chariot racing episode and said, and believe it or not, Alan, you were the only one that caught this. And, and this has been out there for at least a week now at this mm-hmm. point as, a, as we're recording. Mm-hmm. Um, he mentioned that I said somewhere in there, I think it was with the modern chariot racer that we saw on the street, you know, the single version, the, the, the brand new one. 
um, that I mentioned that the guy was headed to the Sturgis Motorcycle Rally in um, North Dakota, and that was incorrect. Right. And Alan caught me on it right away. He called me on it and said, uh, you, I, I can't believe you made that mistake. Sturgis is in South Dakota, not North Dakota. Mm-hmm. So I told him, I promised him I would say that on air, and there you go. And I even think I mentioned it on Facebook. <laughs> yes, yes, you did. And uh, we do appreciate it. Now, the more that I learned about Sturgis during the motorcycle rally, the more I want to go there like the week before or the week after the rally. But Just, not during. No, I'll be there for for during, but I also want I want to see the transformation. Oh, I see. I see. Yeah. Watch the town grow from uh, you know whatever the population is to uh, whatever it becomes. Right. And then back to normalcy. Yes, absolutely. Or right, I don't know if I want to stay for the week before all the way through and then the week after because at that point maybe the good folks of Sturgis will say, "Okay, tourist, get out of here. <laughs> it's possible. See you next year. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. Right. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's a possibility. I think, uh, you know, there's a, uh, they, they, <laughs> this is a better way to say it. Maybe they tolerate it for that week, I guess. Right. Uh, yeah. they just know that it's going to happen that way. You don't move to Sturgis without knowing that that's going to happen during that week. So, uh, you know, up front what's going on. And if I were leaving Sturgis, it might be, uh, it, it might be possible that I would have to hitchhike. That's so, true. So uh, this is this is weird because we weren't expecting as many responses, nor were we as expecting those responses to be as passionate as they are. So I guess, Scott, I'm of two minds here. I want to go to this excellent story. We have a great a great deal of excellent stories regarding hitchhiking. I want to go to one immediately, but it's a negative experience, and I know that you and I are on slightly different sides of this one. Okay. All right, let's hear it then. Okay. But you know what I mean when I say the reason that I'm a little hesitant is that it adds fuel to to your side of the fire. (laughs) That's fine. (laughs) All right. I understand. Now, Scott, just to interject here, this guy is not talking about hitchhikers. He's specifically talking about stranded motorists, which we also addressed. Okay. Yeah, we did. And we said, as a general rule, both you and I, feel okay about stopping and helping a stranded motorist or even giving them a ride to a gas station nearby. Depending on the context. Uh, Exactly. Yeah, that's right. And there's a, yeah, there's a couple of, um, asterisk next to that, I guess, isn't it? In that, um, if somebody has already stopped and, and looks that they have it under control, Mm -hmm. the person themselves look like they have it under control. Like they're, they're capable of changing the tire and they're in the middle of doing so. Right. Um, if somebody is just outright stranded and looks like they're confused as to even where the spare tire is located, Mm Sure, you stop and you help them out. You give them a hand or a dead battery or whatever it happens to be. You know, um, the car is smoking because it overheated. I mean, that's that's a telltale sign that you know something's gone wrong. The person is stuck there because you can't do anything with that for a while, anyways. Yeah, it's got to cool at yeah, the least. Maybe you pull over and you offer to call somebody. Maybe mm-hmm. um, you know it's likely that everybody has cell phones now, and that's changed this whole landscape as well. As, for sure. as a lot of listeners pointed out, is that you know because everybody's carrying a phone, the people that have uh, that are stranded likely have a phone. The people that are driving by, m- most of them, if not all of them, have a phone handy. A lot of people feel like, well, the next guy will call if I don't. Or you can call, and they may say, hey, yeah, you know what? I've received multiple calls about that stranded vehicle, but thanks for checking in. I've I've, I've actually done that, and they've said, yeah, that's about the third or fourth call that we've had about that guy, so it's taken care of. Right, yeah, it it has changed the landscape, however – as we're about to learn, spoiler alert, ladies and gentlemen, uh, grifting is a tale as old as time. So 
Uh, Vazmir, back to Vazmir's email, he says, okay, here's the story. I'll start by saying I grew up in a shady part of Houston, Texas. I continued to live in the hood until I left for the army around 2007. Well, I worked nights and usually the day after payday, I would go to the Western Union to cash my check. This particular time I went to cash my check and there was a foreign guy there. He kept showing me an address and asking if I could tell him where it is. I told him to hang on and cash my check with the intent of taking him since it was in my area. I came out and told him, and he seemed excited and offered me a large sum of money, cash wadded up in his hand. I said no and really just wanted to help. We drove around and looked for this place and couldn't find it. Eventually, we stopped so he could get a soda. He went into the store and never came out. I waited for about 10 minutes and nothing. I drove around the shopping center thinking maybe I missed him coming out and he got lost. Nothing still. Eventually, I left and felt bad, but I had to get to work soon and I didn't really know him. About five minutes into my homeward drive, I realized my money was gone. Then I saw my ring was gone, too. I laughed at my ignorance and shook my head. I went to a police station down the street and reported it and was told it's actually very common. And one of the cops said it even happened to him. Oh, boy. Okay, so... He has now lost this ring that he claims to be worth $3,000. Plus, he lost $1,500 in cash because he said he had just cashed his paycheck. So this guy is out $4,500, and he gave this guy a ride. You know, no thanks for that. Um, right. Not that that's any consolation to losing $4,500, but it'd be something, I guess. Um, yeah. This guy really got duped. And, and you know what? He's not alone. This happens often where, you know, you give somebody a ride and they take something from the car. You don't even know they're taking something from the car. That's the thing. But what, okay, here's the other angle of this. Why, why is Vasmir driving around with $1,500 in cash and a $3,000 ring and offering somebody he doesn't know a ride right. when that stuff is out in the open? That's a, that's a question. Now, I know that's a, a, I mean, a, a judgment call, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, he's being a nice guy. Well, and he has a, a bit of a coda to this, a bit of a, a moral or a conclusion. Uh, he says, apparently it's a network of traveling con men that have an elaborate scheme to trick you into giving them some of your money and hope that you'll get more money when they get to where they are going. Somewhere on the way to their destination, they stop for something like a drink and disappear with your cash. Well, I made it easy and left my money in a bonus ring in plain sight. He must have grabbed it when I wasn't looking, then got out for a drink and popped smoke. Since then, I don't help unless it's an emergency. Ah, see, okay, he left it out in plain sight, and that was the problem, I guess. Right. Uh, you just can't trust, you know, somebody that you just invited, somebody you just met, a stranger. Uh, you know, you don't know their behavior. You don't know uh, their their moral compass, I guess. They, right. They may not have that moral compass. Uh, where they won't grab something like that and just take off. So it, it had to be tempting, I guess, uh, for the person that, that ran away with it. Apparently it was too tempting. Mm-hmm. But uh, lesson learned, he'll never do that again, right? And hopefully, right. hopefully, people hearing this will say, oh, yeah, you know what? I should uh, keep my valuables out of sight if I do happen to pick somebody up. You know, um, you know, when you pull over to the side of the road, take 10 seconds to look around you and see if there's anything that's worth grabbing. You got that brand new iPhone in the in the center console. Sure. Tuck that in your pocket. Right. Um, you know, if there's something that's uh, that's a value to you on the dashboard, maybe a maybe even a simple thing like a, um, you know, one of the old style navigation systems, you know, where you have to plug like it a in. Tomahawk. And, yeah, one of those. You know, think about that stuff. I mean, that right. stuff can easily be grabbed and, and taken away. So uh, just just be smart about it. That's all. Also, on a side note, there are some things that you should never, ever carry in your car under any circumstances. I'm not just talking about hazardous materials. I'm talking specifically about the title to your car. Oh, yeah, good point. A lot yeah. of people carry those around in the glove box. I don't know why you would ever 
have the title to your car in the car itself. That should right. be at home in a safe somewhere or in a lockbox in a, in, a, uh, in a bank. Right, with your Fabergé eggs and your Ming vase and your other rarities. We have, we have talked about my Fabergé egg collection, haven't we? It's getting to be, I'm not going to say a problem because you're your own man, but it's, it's concerning. People are talking at work. <laughs> what, a, what a thing to keep in a, in a, uh, a lockbox. Right. Uh, okay. So, so, okay, so that's one person that is completely against uh, at least helping stranded motorists unless it's clearly an emergency now. And I think a lot of people are like that. Even those of us who are consider ourselves real humanitarians are not going to stop at night on an unlit street where where there are six guys standing out around a car with the hood open. Yeah, that's true. I mean, you can kind of sense a uh, sense a setup in some cases, mm-hmm. and uh, and maybe it's not even setup. You know, that's the thing. Is like you have to you have to take everything on face value. You have to look at this and 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 make your own determination. You have to, or maybe maybe it's that you don't take it on face value because it looks like a dire situation, right. but it may not be. Well, I think for me, and I, I think a lot of our listeners can agree here. If there's not something catastrophic, as in not a vehicle on fire, mm-hmm. just with the with the hood popped, and you see uh, several people already there, and it's not an accident, clearly the thing broke down, then what really do you have to contribute if there are already you know five to seven people there or something? That's true. I mean, you're adding to the confusion, and you may even be blocking the space where the fire truck needs to pull up, you know, to douse the flames. Um, you know, think about. You know, if you're complicating the scene as well, if you if you right. if you stop, so there's that angle to consider as well. I know that you know you have good intentions when you do, and and good for you. But there's a point where <laughs> you know there's a point where it becomes troublesome or more of a trouble that you stop rather. I still love helping stranded motorists, though, man. It's I do in too. My DNA or something. I, I like it too. And you know, here's a here's. Okay, Ben. So we know that it can be risky. It can be dangerous. It can uh, it can leave you very vulnerable in some situations. You know, but it's generally frowned upon or discouraged at this point in history, right? I mean, mm-hmm. In the past, not so much. It was more of a of a common thing, at least here in the United States, and I believe worldwide. I'm sure there's uh, you know books on this, and and um, you know there are podcasts that one listener pointed us to. I think that you know it kind of explain why um, hitchhiking is on the decline at this point, and. Some interesting stuff, but there are also some good examples of this. And some, some times when, and listeners wrote in and told us this, they said there's a few times when it kind of makes sense, when it's, a, when it's um, almost appropriate to pick up hitchhikers. And, and I didn't sure. really think of this during our first podcast, but here's, here's a couple of just examples of what some of, uh, you know, going through the, the emails. Uh, without reading one right now, I'll get to that in just a minute. But, okay. Um, and I'll laundry list these, and we'll talk about them in specific later. But think about, like, um, Hikers on a trail, a known hiking trail. Like Appalachian Trail. Exactly right. That's one in particular that we mentioned. And, you know, there's, there are known towns where they need a lift from the trail edge into town and then back again. You know, whether that's to pick up, you know, um, packages that have been sent to yeah. that, that location. Get or to the to, post. Yeah, food or whatever. So, re, you know, regenerate sure. supplies, yeah. whatever. Um, music festival routes. So if you're on the way to a music festival, and you kind of understand how this goes, you know, the huge festival out in the country somewhere. Right. And there's one way in, one way out, or, you know, a couple ways in, whatever. Um, you see a group of people that are walking to that festival, clearly going to the festival. I mean, just by the way they're dressed, the way they're, what sure. they're carrying. They're cool wearing all the, they're all, it's a family of uh, four, and they're all wearing lederhosen. <laughs> what, what, what kind of festival are you going to? <laughs> I don't know, man. It's, it's a, a big world. It's an October, okay, it's an Oktoberfest thing. Let's say that. <laughs> sure. So they're headed to the Oktoberfest, and you've got a pickup truck, and you got, the whole bed is empty. And it's only the two of you in the front seat. Do you do you offer them a lift? You know the the last three miles to the festival. 
you probably do, right? I and mean, it's, it's on your way. For it sure. seems like that would be like a safe bet. That's that's one. So like music festival routes, places like that. Um, other people run and said, well, there's a, a remote road in our town that goes uh, between the town and a, a rem- like a, a distant industrial complex that a lot of people work in. Right. Or an airport. It goes from the industrial complex to the to the airport. And the airport's an interesting call, too, because airports are typically built outside of a city center. Sure, yeah. And you can generally tell, I mean, if somebody's carrying a, a duffel bag or they've got a, a rolling suitcase and they're dragging it behind them and they're two miles from the airport. Right. Uh, there's a good chance that that person is truly headed to the airport. Um, the other thing is that people walking in conditions that you normally would not just go out for a stroll. Or you wouldn't crushing you, blizzard, uh, a deluge of rain. Yeah, heat. Like if you're in, if you're out and it's 115 degrees and you're in the desert. Yeah, there's a, there's a point where it's dangerous for that person to be out there, and it's not very long. I mean, it I, I would stop for someone in that case. Yeah, exactly. And and that's what most people would say they would do. It's it's, it's a situation where someone wouldn't put themselves into this position uh, willingly. Yeah, yeah. I mean. And again, you have to be careful with this because there's always somebody that, that may do that just because they know that people will, will pick them up. So, Yeah, but they can't do it for long in that kind of heat. Well, not for long. You're right. Or that kind of cold or that kind of rain or that kind sure. of you know whatever. So, again, still judgment call, but extreme weather conditions are another situation. So um, one guy that wrote in to us about um, the, the music festival thing. Uh, his name is Adrian T. And Adrian writes into us often. So thanks, Adrian, yeah. for writing What's in going on, on Adrian? Uh, Hitchhiking. He wrote in, actually wrote in about hitchhiking, um, about a second and third car, which we're not going to read about today, and uh, and some limericks. He wrote in a limerick. He did. So maybe we'll we'll hit the limerick after. Sure. This. All right. He wrote in and said, "Yes, I've stopped to help people change tires. You know, give them lists for gas. You know, the gas station or to pick up and pick up hitchhikers. Although to be honest, the last time I did this was when um, a friend and I were in our twenties, and there were two incredibly cute young women." Who turned hey. out to be Australian oh. and going to the same festival as us. Uh-huh. So not only did we give them a ride, but uh, we shared the entry cost because you, you enter the, the festival on a per car basis. So yeah, yeah. he says, unfortunately, that's the end of the story. There wasn't any other ending than that. But oh. uh, but that's it. But he said, can't win them all. I'm writing, though, about being on the receiving end of assistance. And the assistance is in parentheses. Right. In quotation um, marks. In, in quotation marks, rather. In a circumstance that has made me far more weary. Oh, so this gets interesting here, right? Uh-huh. All right. So he says, I think the most negative press about bad situations with, with hitchhiking, given assistance, et cetera, are grossly exaggerated by uh, the modern news cycle. By any real measure, crime rates are down in all categories in all, uh, in all areas, despite far greater population. Mm-hmm. Now, this story that I'm about to mention here happened in Detroit, which in, uh, which in itself upsets me because I'm a strong proponent of Detroit. Now, one day a few years ago when my car was almost brand new, I was on my way home from work. That day I happened to have some important some important meetings, so uncharacteristically, I was wearing a suit and tie. Driving north on Southfield Freeway, and Scott will know where that is because of his Michigan routes, or routes right. and I do know exactly, I've traveled that road many times. He says, I picked up a puncture, and there's no shoulder along most of Southfield Road. So, you know, I, I totally understand this. What are you going to do? You can't pull over in traffic where you're a hazard. You can't, mm-hmm. you can't change a tire when there's traffic going by at 60 miles an hour. So I totally get this. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, 
John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Okay, quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform with one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com stereo right now. NetSuite.com stereo. NetSuite.com stereo. Hi, I'm Gabby Reese. Join me and my husband, big wave surfer, Laird Hamilton, on our journey with Laird Superfood. From our kitchen to yours, we've crafted delicious plant-based creamers, coffee, greens, and so much more using high-quality functional ingredients. Visit LairdSuperfood.com and use the code GABBY2024 for 20% off your first order. Um, He says, "I, I got off at the next exit, which was in Detroit, and pulled into a gas station. I jumped out and prepared to change the tire. No big deal. I just got the tire, the jack, the lug wrench, etc. out. I was putting on some gloves when six large guys appeared from nowhere and offered to help me. Offered also being in... Uh, wait, which one is it? Yeah, offered was, yeah. Yeah, offered also being in parentheses. <laughs> yeah. Or uh, quotation marks. Quotation marks. Oh, I got, I got you. Oh, my, you got uh, me. My, uh, yeah, my... Well, whatever. Anyhow. Uh, <laughs> So he says, I insisted that I could do it on my own, but they made it clear that I was not going to turn down their generous offer. Uh, they then changed my tire in only about double the time that it would have taken me, including torquing the lug nuts in the wrong sequence, dropping things, etc. Then they let me know that, oh, of course, well, you know, while not necessary, any appreciation for their work would be gratefully received. Again, it was clear that this was not really negotiable. Luckily, I only had about $40 in my wallet, so they left with that. So they took everything this guy had. Yeah. Uh, once I got home, I found out to, to, you know, that to add insult to my injury, they had stolen my lug wrench. And while on a conscious level, I know this was an isolated incident, and I've got off at that exit many times since then to get gas, and I realize now subconsciously that it's changed my behavior, and that since I've, I've become far less likely to stop and help others in distress. Um, your show is a wake up to me to overcome that and to start helping others again, as I know it will have no, or as I know I will have no ill intention towards the people I help. So, yeah, I, I get that, but he's saying that he was the one in distress. Right. This is that's a position you can't avoid. That's something that you it happens at the least opportune moment. You know, the Ooh. timing belt goes on your car and you have to coast to the the side. Yeah. Um. You know, the the brakes lock up. You get a tire puncture. Uh, the car overheats, whatever it happens to be, you're at the mercy of whatever happens to you in that location at that time. So it's difficult. 
I still, I can't do it though, man. I can't just drive by someone who needs, who clearly needs assistance. I like to think I'm okay at telling when that is, that sort of stuff is genuine. But then again, it might just be the numbers game, Scott. It might just, well, the but, statistics have been on my side so far. But see, I'm a little, I'm just a little bit confused by this note in that, you know, he, he says at the end, you know, he says, I've, I'm trying to, um, overcome that, that, and start helping people again. Maybe, maybe that bad experience, even though he was on the receiving end, maybe that, uh, that made him think like, I, I'm, I'm just not going to stop. It's not going to be worth the time for me to do that because they may in some way harm me, but you're far more likely to have trouble. I think if you're the one that's on the park on the side of the road, oh, yeah. someone might prey on that as, right. as he found out. No, let, let's ask, uh, I, let me ask on behalf of everybody not familiar with, uh, Southfield freeway. What, what kind of area is it? Uh, it does go through some very um, shady areas. I mean, okay. some some uh, some difficult terrain, I suppose you would, you okay. would say. Uh, some exits that you would want to avoid, and it sounds like he found one. Uh, you know, one that goes right through Detroit. There, there's some areas of the Southfield Freeway that are that are perfectly fine, though. No, no okay. problem at all. I mean, it, it's kind of it runs the gamut. It goes both know, right. into the suburbs and down into downtown Detroit. Now, Adrian had one other thing at the end of his letter that you wanted to read. <laughs> Something on a lighter note. Uh, it was a uh, it was a limerick, and it's about Ben and his Monte Carlo. Mm-hmm. All right, so I'll, I'll just read that limerick right now. There was a young podcaster named Bolin whose wallet was permanently frozen. The money went bang and the engine was done. Now Ben's tears are a-flowing. Yeah, or Bolin's tears are a flowing, which I like. It's got some oh, eternal oh, rhyme. I screwed up the. No, no, no. I'm going to read it again. No, no. no, no okay, no, okay, no. okay. Is it? But but here's the point, though. It's about Ben. It's about his Monte Carlo. However, <laughs> there's some big news on that front. Yeah, and it's also it's also about my admitted, uh, let's call it thriftiness. Yeah, thriftiness. You're tight fisted. Yeah, sure. Uh, but. Okay, yes, it is true, as we alluded to briefly in earlier episodes. I am, for the first time in more than a decade, not driving a Monte Carlo, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, sad day. It's, you know, I was, we used to have this oldies channel in Atlanta. I think, was it still around when you when you guys moved here? I don't know. We used to have this oldies channel, like 50s, 60s, maybe up to a little bit of the 70s, right? And a lot of towns have those. And they had the, uh, there was one song I always remember hearing there, Turn, Turn, Turn. Do you remember that one? Yeah, sure I do. Uh, and so I actually got, actually got a, a, a little bit sad because for some reason this song was playing when I was, when I was dealing with the fact that I'm not ever going to drive that car. Now, just so you guys know, uh, the Monte Carlo is fine. It has a different owner. I got a really good deal on another car that's not, not my favorite. Some I've never driven before. What? It's a Ford Escape, and uh, and it's it's pretty good, man. It's not a Monte Carlo. It's certainly not a Mustang, which is my next, you know, my next plan. But the deal was just too good to walk away from. This is a dramatic turn here. Now, again, nothing catastrophic happened to the Monte Carlo. It was just time to move on, right? And, and the Monte Carlo is, yeah, it's going to be somebody's. Uh, it's going to be somebody's garage baby. I don't think it's, you know, because it's got a lot of miles on it. It's got some It's got some work it needs to be, that and, needs and to be done. And I won't say who has it because I don't know if you're sensitive to that or not, but um, it's somewhere where you can keep tabs on it. You'll know right. exactly the condition of this vehicle at all times. So you can visit that car, right? Right, yeah, uh, sold to a friend. So the, which, again, some people will tell you you should never do, right? 
But uh, I think in this situation, knock on wood, it's it's going to be it's going to be just fine. The the thing is, though, another thing that happened, and I, and I hope this doesn't come back to haunt me, Scott. But you know, GM just had that big recall of the uh, faulty ignition switches. Oh, you know what? And you had been battling that too. Yeah. Right. You had yeah. a, you had a situation where you were locked out of your car several times. I mean, locked out ignition wise of your vehicle many, right. many times where you have to wait for like 10 minutes until right. it reset itself. Uh-huh. And you, you can either do the security reset, which takes about 10 minutes, or um, there are ways where you could get the manufacturer repair. There are other, there are ways to circumvent it. There are a couple of DIY solutions that we're not going to go into detail in on the air. Uh, but the I, I'm not sure if it was the same issue, but it was an ignition-related issue. Yeah. So, and well, and so I got that, the postcard, you know, well, the postcard see, they send out. So that situation will be fixed for the new owner then. They'll be able to take care of that for free and uh, and all is well. That that situation's done, but they've got other other things happening there. It's going to be a project car. Yeah. And uh, for you, you're driving around in a uh, – it's not brand new, but it's no, it's, no, it's no. lightly used. I haven't even seen this car yet. Everybody yeah, heard. it's it's a real car, Scott, I promise you. Yeah, it's got to be a dramatically different feeling to be in a uh, – in a. Um, Oh, what was like, it? It's like a, yeah, Ford Escape. Yeah. It's different because uh, the yeah the driving experience is totally different. And again, guys, I'm not I'm not gonna lie. It was it was a financial decision for me far more than a dream a dream car. Uh, it's nice to have, I guess, because I because I moved recently too. It was nice to have uh, a place to put all my stuff when I was moving. You know, um, but. We'll see how it goes. Uh, having any car is better than having none. But I also can't promise that I'm not going to go back. Like I want, I want a second gen Monte Carlo. Like I don't want the 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 um, the fourth gen ones are just not not what I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Sure. If you're going, if you're going big, I don't know how to say it, Scott, but. I think old school is the answer for a lot of the land yachts. Sure, yeah, and yeah. Uh, and I'm a huge fan of those second gen Monte Carlos. So, yeah, me uh, too. That'd be a cool project or a weekend car, whatever you want to call it. But uh, but congrats <laughs> on the new vehicle. By oh, way. thank you, man. So, thank very you good. very much. I'm yeah. happy for you. Well, oh, one other interesting thing, and I, I feel like such a jabroni on this one, man. It's also a hybrid. Oh, a hybrid? No kidding. Yeah, no I didn't kidding. know that. So, so uh, oh well, you know what? This may be a, a whole episode. We could talk about this because <laughs> I've. I've never, I really don't have any experience with it, with hybrids. So, mm-hmm. um, I'd love to hear, you know, what you're learning along the way. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Of course, Scott. We'll also, we'll also see the, uh, I've already seen the validation of several things that we discussed on earlier podcasts, you know, like how much money would a hybrid actually save you over a, uh, you know, an orthodox IC engine? The answer, if you haven't checked our podcast on that, is not as much as you would think. <laughs> yeah, there's good and bad. But because I got such a great deal on this, I, I am, I am impressed with the, uh, with with how how little gas it uses. I mean, especially in comparison to a Monte Carlo, man. Come sure. on. And you're primarily at this point. We'll we'll move on. I promise. But yeah. we're, you're primarily driving in the city at this point, and that's right. where those are intended to be driven. So that's where they're at their most efficient. So you're seeing the, the full benefits of it right now already. Yeah, but it's not a uh, Mustang or a Monte Carlo. <laughs> that's, well, that's, that's a good point. It is not a Mustang. That's what right. A, so. What a great problem to have. Yeah. Right? yeah. Uh, all right. So we'll we'll keep you updated on how that turns out. Uh, and I'd like to hear your opinion of Ford Escapes because, by the way, you guys, just between us, 
these, as they used to say in some more rural areas where I'm from, just between us chickens, you know, uh, it's, it's not the best. Okay. It's not the best one. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but, but I'd like to hear what everybody else thinks. Uh, we have some more listener mail responding to Hitchhikers and Stranded Motorists. Oh, how about this? Since we're on a limerick kick right now. Oh, okay. I don't know if we can call it that. We've read one, but, uh, we've got it. We got a couple others and these were received almost immediately. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, these were from Aaron Cooper. Now Aaron writes in, uh, he's actually written in with several limericks in the past uh, month or so. Lots yeah. of limericks. I wonder if Coop was writing these in advance and waiting. <laughs> Possibly. And these relate to hitchhiking as well. So, you know, right. they, they, they're a perfect fit. So I'll just read a couple here and we'll just move on after that. How about that? All right. Back to some more, uh, some, some deeper listener mail. All right. So uh, the first one. Ben's dressed to the nines looking spelt. Broke down. What a hand he's been dealt. Then Scott, what a guy just honks and flies by. <laughs> I told you to change that damn belt. <laughs> that's that good. Great. That's exactly recalling what we talked about. Yeah. Okay. Uh, next one. Last one. Oh, this is another Monte Carlo one, Ben. Is yeah. Gonna, yeah. I hope you don't tear up. Uh, I think I'll be okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right. It says, hitching a ride, I'm a cheapy. Been walking all day, feeling sleepy. At last, hey, a ride. Wait, he's locked me inside. The guy in this Monty is creepy. Yeah, yeah, like and Aaron again. I don't know how many times I have to apologize for that. It was a misunderstanding. <laughs> Wait, there's no door locks on this guy. There's no handle on the inside. What's going on? Yeah, uh, we, we're kidding, of course, but thank you so much for sending those in. Uh, yeah, those did make us both chuckle, and uh, we checked with each other after we read them. So I, I appreciated that. It's always it's always kind of a pleasure. We're not we're not above poking fun at ourselves, obviously. Um, and I, and I, you know, I think it, I think one of the reasons I'm so cool with this stuff is because guys, ladies and gentlemen, we all know, and we're all, we're all very nice people. I'm sure we're all like great humanitarians and whatever and very diplomatic, but we all know that those last few generations of Monte Carlos were not the best Monte Carlos. Yeah, that's true. And we it's even had obvious. some some listeners wrote in and said, "What? I don't understand the attraction here. What's what's Ben? <laughs> what's Ben even talking about?" But uh, so, <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're right. So I, maybe this is a chance to reset. Maybe it's a chance to uh, to get the one that you want because I think it was more of just an opportunity at that. You know, there was a uh, uh, you grabbed the the easy opportunity to to get into that Monte Carlo, that first Monte Carlo that you had, right? Right. Yeah. And uh, from there, you thought, well, it's not a bad vehicle. Maybe I'll try this newer Monte mm-hmm. Carlo. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I should have gone the other direction. Yeah, you should have gone like back to third gen, second gen. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So uh, you know, you maybe you learned your lesson with it, but but it was a fun lesson too. You enjoyed that vehicle. I refuse to learn my lesson, Scott. I'm gonna get <laughs> I'm gonna get other land yachts. I'm gonna get. Uh, you know what? I should just go ahead. I, I should just go ahead and get a slingshot. <laughs> Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury, with a reveal unlike any other, as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. 
Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern. Only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Okay, quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform with one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com slash stereo right now. NetSuite.com slash stereo. NetSuite.com slash stereo. Hi, I'm Gabby Reese. Join me and my husband, big wave surfer, Laird Hamilton, on our journey with Laird Superfood. From our kitchen to yours, we've crafted delicious plant-based creamers, coffee, greens, and so much more using high-quality functional ingredients. Visit LairdSuperfood.com and use the code GABBY2024 for 20% off your first order. That's not a land yacht. No, no. I'm just thinking if I'm if I'm gonna, you know, part of learning is making new mistakes, right? Oh, so. oh, yeah. And that could be a mistake. It could be. You a, think it could be a mistake? Well, we've had a lot of rain, and uh, <laughs> and that would be very problematic for that vehicle. I know. should I should call up uh, I should call up that guy who had the uh, the '90s Rolls Royce. No, you know, surprising. Matter. You know, now that you've mentioned this, can I say that in the yeah. last? Uh, I'm going to say three weeks. I'll, I'll, maybe even a month. I don't okay, know. Probably yeah. three weeks, though. Three, four weeks. I have probably seen, I don't know, half a dozen of those old classic Rolls Royce cars, the big boxy ones with the big chrome grill in yeah, the front. Yeah, yeah. Not the brand new ones, but the old, old ones. You know, the, some are right hand drive, some are left hand drive. There's a mix. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's really strange. I don't know where they're coming from. They're, it's like uh, somebody had a, a wholesale, uh, um, you know, not a state sale. Yeah, like an estate sale or something where they had a fleet of these things or something. Because it's like they've been unleashed on the town, and I'm seeing them like it. I'm seeing them in weird places too. I'm just seeing them parked in in uh, you know at the at the post office. I'm seeing uh, them in the drive-through line at the bank. That's where I saw one this morning. I saw a black one this morning at the bank, um, at the drive-through line. Crazy. Yeah, they're all over the place. I saw one at an auction house recently. It was gray. Um, had uh, right hand. It was right hand drive. Um, they're just all over the place. I don't know what's going on with it, but and I've seen a white one recently mm-hmm. uh, that was I think it was just on a, on you know a back road. It wasn't on the main highway or anything. It was on a two lane road. Uh, it's it's a weird occurrence when you see things like that in in, uh, in waves. You know, like when yeah. you see a group of things and you realize like there's a pattern to this. Why? It, it is weird you say it because I saw I saw a black one cruising down our, our local street that's, you know, right outside of the office. Hmm. And you know what? If you're a hitchhiker, wouldn't that be the vehicle to be picked up in? Because you'd have lots <laughs> of room know. for your bag, you yeah. know, your, uh, your, okay. your, your sleeping roll or whatever you got you'd there. meet interesting people. Yeah, you for sure would. You'd have, uh, you'd have plenty of room in the back to stretch out, take a nap maybe when you're on your way to your next destination. And hopefully you would say thanks when that was over with. Because uh, yes. we got a, uh, a listener response from uh, a good friend of the show, Rudy Smith. And mm-hmm. Rudy wrote in and said, uh, this is kind of like a no thanks deal when you get right. on a ride. Or it can yeah. be. Uh, the 
best way, Scott, you summed it up before as a no thanks for – well, I don't want to spoil it. Uh, let's just go in. Do you want to do it or you want me to? Yeah, sure. I'll read it. Okay. He, says, uh, he says, I pick up a hitchhiker occasionally, though not frequently. I don't believe the experience has changed much in the last 30-plus years. When I say it's a thankless, thankless job, I mean it literally. My most recent hitchhiker was during winter in Minnesota. So, again, here we're talking about the right. extreme weather we're talking mm-hmm. about. So, uh, winter in Minnesota, and I just happened to be going to approximately the same destination, which was 140 miles away. Now, can you believe that? He gives him a ride 140 miles. It's a long, long ride, so that's really, really kind, Rudy. Yeah. He says, I took him to his exact destination, not so much as a thank you when the guy got out of the vehicle. That's it. The guy just gets out of the vehicle and leaves. That's it. Not even no thanks for the for the one hundred and forty mile ride. You spent probably two and a half, maybe three hours with this person right. in your passenger seat. That you're doing something out of the kindness of your heart. Not even a thank you. No money for gas. Yeah, I assume. Yep. And he also mentions this, and I think this was something. This is well well put. He has two phrases here that I really like the way I like the way that Rudy wrote these. He says about offering roadside assistance. I know the possibility of troubles there. But I don't want to live my life without compassion. Completely agree, Rudy. That's exactly how we feel. And I think that's how a lot of listeners feel because that's what the response that we got was that. He has another line that's uh, that's downright poetic. Yes, I like it. You want to read it? Uh, sure. The road is an edge that everyone shares and the full spectrum of humanity occupies it in the roots of our lives. Yeah, well said. Yes, well said. Agreed. And to go to a slightly lighter note. Uh, Rudy busts my chops a little bit here, and he says, speaking of edges, Ben's been making an issue of the unacceptability of body limerick sub- uh, submissions lately. I don't know how much of an issue I was making, but he goes on to say, I respect that, of course, but I can work the edge just for fun. It helps to know a few dirty ones before reading the following limerick that I'm definitely not suggesting for use in a podcast. Yeah, <laughs> so of course we got to read it. Right, of course. Okay, here we go. <laughs> a traveling salesman from Caracas Sold balls the size of maracas. He drove to Nantucket in his trusty A bucket and did nothing obscene in the process. Ah, <laughs> I like wah, wah. I like the ones that seem as if they're leading in a direction like that, and then and then suddenly there's like an abrupt end. Right. Love yeah. that. I like it. That was you know, uh, that I, was well done. I had a little back and forth email with uh, with Rudy about a uh, an old Disney film with uh, with Don Knotts and Tim Conway where they would get murder clues in the form of, of limericks like these or little poems. Uh-huh. And the very last word would not rhyme with the rest of it. You know, like it would rhyme all the <laughs> right. way up to that point, and then there would be like this odd word thrown in. And uh, it was so funny. And he wrote a few of those to us that uh, that we won't read today, but uh, <laughs> they were hilarious. They were really good. Well done. So uh, entertaining note. And, again, a couple of really well-thought-out uh, phrases there that I think everybody can agree with. You know, the, yeah. you can't live your life without compassion. So when you see things like the scenes like this unfolding on the side of the road, yeah, you want to help. I get it. But is it always the right thing to do? Is it always it always appropriate, I guess? That's which, that's the difficult part. Which brings us to one of the most interesting hitchhiker tales we've received. This is by someone named Lacey L. And fair warning, guys, this one is a tale. Yeah, we may switch off on the uh, on the reading of this one. It's a it, and I'll tell you, it's it's fascinating. Hopefully, you won't tune out at this point because it it, it really takes some twists and turns yeah. along the way. And um, I, I'll tell you, it pushes a little bit into PG territory. We normally are try to stay in G territory, sure. But this is a little more PG at points, but it never goes beyond that. So if you're worried about having kids in the car, or whatever, it's not really that. It's not really an issue. Yeah, um, it's not going to go beyond anything too bad here. But um, it's a it's a fascinating story. 
Um, I, I think we'll just read it, and it yeah. is long, so we'll switch back and forth. But um, hang in there because it's, it's it tells the tale of a modern hitchhiker. Right. We'll switch off every paragraph or so, but I'm glad you pointed that out, Scott. This is from the other side. This is from a hitchhiker. Yeah, that's right, Ben. She is uh, the the rider. She's the one who is uh, is receiving a ride. So um, she's the one taking the chance, I guess, in in this situation, right? Because it, yeah. it's whoever picks her up, and that's uh, kind of the way it's going to go. So I'll, I'll just start off here. There's a short intro, and then we'll get into the real tale, okay? Yes, sir. She says, hi, guys. My name is Lacey. I'm a 20-year-old business school student and waitress. I recently discovered the House of Works podcast and have been a devoted listener to every show for a couple of months now. This is my first time writing in to any of you, but I couldn't resist joining in your hitchhiker conversation. I graduated high school a couple of months before the rest of my class in 2013. I was 17 years old. At that time in my life, I was so reckless and, for lack of a better word, naughty. My relationship with my family was declining. I had an increasingly difficult relationship with the kids I went to school with, so I got, to, I got the wild idea to take off and travel the country on foot. And I'd like to tell you my story. I hope you reply. I'm not, I'm not laying down a guilt trip, but I'm pausing for my schoolwork to write this, and I'm pouring my heart out for you guys. And I think she means for um, all of our listeners. Really. Right, yeah, yeah. So, Lisa continues, I grew up in the suburbs of the Twin Cities, Minnesota. It was springtime when I first took off, so it was still very cold at night. However, I had to leave behind a bunch of stuff at some guy's house in the city so that I could travel with just a small duffel bag. My first companion was a Native American kid my age who I met through the Craigslist rideshare. He was going out to his family's reservation in North Dakota where I figured I could hitch a ride to Colorado. Denver was where my sights were set. This was 2013, so the recreational marijuana movement was just picking up steam. Additionally, I've been talking to a really interesting artist from Denver who wanted me to come out there and model for him. So this native kid brought me with him and was sort of rude to me during our trip, but I attribute that to my punk attitude slash look. We arrived at the reservation where his family proceeded by getting me so drunk that I probably experienced alcohol poisoning. I puked on the couch, passed out, and was just a mess. Next morning, everyone was quite mean. They told me I could get my keister out of there. I started walking. It was so windy I couldn't keep a cigarette lit nor bear the weight of my duffel. My brother lives in North Dakota, so after walking a bit, I broke down and called for help. He was only about 35 miles away but was working. He seemed extremely concerned for me, which was off-putting because we didn't have the warmest relationship. So, he said he would borrow his boss's vehicle and come rescue me straight away. He warned me not to talk to anyone and just keep walking until I found a store I could bunker down in. Apparently, since the oil boom, that area of the state was highly dangerous for young women. Yet, when an older man on a motorcycle who passed me once came back down the road, he stopped and asked me what I was doing. He had that same concerned tone my brother had. I told him I was trying to get somewhere safe and that my brother was coming from Jamestown. He offered to drive me halfway. I accepted. He seemed concerned for me and was an older white man, so I took my chances. I rode on his bike with him, and when he dropped me off, he gave me five bucks and we parted ways. I just sat down in the gas station when my brother pulled up. He lectured me and told me he'd let our parents know what I was doing, but proceeded to bring me home and let me stay at his place for a week. The night before my mother was due to arrive to bring me home, I made my escape. I stole some of my brother's liquor bottles. I had found a kid in town to sell them to a few days before. Made my cash and was picked up by a guy in his late 20s in a U-Haul. He was headed to Montana to move back in with his parents. This guy was clean cut, but gave me an odd feeling in my stomach. He was quiet and made some weird comments, but couldn't hold a conversation. I became very sleepy just as we passed into Montana at around 11 p.m. Through my half slumber, I heard him say that we were stopping at a hotel to crash for the night. 
I hobbled in, still barely awake, laid on the edge of the bed and mumbled something like, stay on that side, I don't need much room. What seemed like only a short time later, I woke when he sat in bed. My eyes were woke, were open, but I just laid there. Soon I heard him ask if I wanted to have sex. I became instantly awake and alert. I tried to respond, but couldn't get my mouth to open and speak. I started internally freaking out. He touched my leg as I kept willing myself to scream at him. He rolled me onto my back and was just hovering over me, looking down. He leaned in to kiss me, and somehow my balled-up fist sprung when, with every ounce of strength, I cracked him in the jaw so loud I almost, I'm almost certain that I broke his bones. The blow was so perfect that he was knocked out and snoring on the bed. I could now move and sprang into action, grabbing my things, the room, uh, the room key, the, the U-Haul keys, and raced out to the front desk. I asked them for the police department's phone number and gave them the room keys, telling them to watch for the man I had been with. I went outside, got my jacket from the truck, and then left the keys in the door. I called the police from the distant park and told them that I thought I had been drugged and that there was a man in the hotel who had knocked out and was dangerous. When they insisted that I give them my name and information, I hung up. I was only 17, and I didn't want to be treated as a runaway. I watched from the bushes as the police arrived, escorted the guy out, and had him open the U-Haul. My heart sank as I saw that the back of the truck was completely empty. I had believed that this guy was moving. I kept on my journey, though. I was picked up by a very nice, attractive, married man in his 30s who drove me to the outskirts of Denver, Colorado. My trip was out without incident, as the man wouldn't even keep up a conversation with me. I think he'd felt the same way you guys do about not trying to creep around a young lady. My artist friend picked me up, and I spent about three weeks in Denver, Boulder, Colorado, um, and the mountainside. The people in the area were not friendly, however, and they were generally rude, and I was used to Minnesota nice. So when I met two guys in, in a straight-up hippie van, I jumped at the opportunity. The driver was older, probably in his 50s. The other kid was 19. I had told everyone I met that I was 19, by the way. These guys were seasoned hippie travelers. The van owner had two dogs and just made it back to the States after driving all the way to the tip on South America and back. We picked up another kid, early 20s, on the top of a mountain on our way out of Colorado before heading to Utah. That guy was a well-off New Yorker who decided to travel to a friend's wedding in the style of a European backpacker. Soon after crossing into Utah in the middle of the night, we were pulled over for an apparent license plate light that was out. I stayed quiet, trying to go unnoticed as one of the cops ran the driver's information. Surprisingly, they asked the driver to get out of the car. He was barefoot, and I knew something was very wrong when the police asked him if he wanted some shoes. That guy had grown up in Utah and had a warrant from 35 years ago. They wanted to take him to jail and leave us with his van and dogs. First, they wanted to run our information. Tried to lie about my age again, and they wouldn't have it. So they searched my bag and found both my ID and my stash of marijuana, which was very illegal in Utah. They learned my age and decided to let me go after I showed them the text in my phone from my mom, who knew that I was traveling. They scolded me. One cop opened my stash, smelled it, said, smells really nice. And he would take the weed and dispose of it in the river. So the three of us took on the responsibility of delivering the van and the dogs to the now jail-bound hippie's parents' house in the suburb of Salt Lake City. Before parting ways, the guy from New York gave each of us $30, wished us luck, and we were all headed in different directions. I was sitting outside a fast food joint in Salt Lake City after trekking back from the suburbs 15 miles away. It was a long, hot walk. I probably looked like death. This well-dressed older man stared at me as he exited the hotel next to the restaurant, went in to get food, walked almost all the way back to the hotel. He paused, turned around, asked me what I was doing. I looked away, trying to make him leave. He asked me again. I told him I was not a prostitute, and he almost fell over. I could tell he didn't want to seem like a pervert. He said, no, 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 you just look like you need help. I told him I could use money, but I definitely didn't need a hotel room with him. He pressed on with trying to help. He offered me a shower, a nap in his room, promised he would leave both room keys and leave me alone to do my thing. 
I couldn't resist that offer. He left me alone for a few hours, came back, knocked on the door, asked me about my life and what I was up to. He seemed very concerned. We talked, went and got food, and just hung out. However, he made me sad, and I feel guilty for what I was doing to my parents after our discussions. Later that night, I spoke with a trucker when I was outside smoking a cigarette. He was just about to leave and was headed to Canada by passing through Des Moines. He was a funny, fat Canadian trucker, and I accepted the ride. Our journey took a couple days. We laughed, watched movies. Best of all, I was able to sleep off many hours of one of the bunks while he drove. He never made any advances on me, but was truthful about his attraction to me. Everything was fine. He left me at a truck stop in Des Moines with a pack of cigarettes and $20. I was torn. I wanted to keep traveling, but was so close to home. After some soul-searching and turning down a ride to Florida, I called my mom. She bought me a bus ticket, and I went home. Now, she says that this was a long story she knows, and she left out a lot of parts of it. Of course, there's a lot that happens along the way. She says there were some good, some bad. Yet, I do hope that it gives you some insight into how traveling like that works in today's time. And she signs it Lacey. Now, I know that was a long read. Yeah, that was a short story. You 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 get the you get the picture of what this is like. Now, here's a young girl. She's 17 years old. And I try to put myself in, in a 17 year old's position, but I can't exactly do that because this is a 17 year old female. Right. It's slightly different. We have to admit that it's slightly different. Sure, sure. For a hitchhiking female versus a hitchhiking male, uh, only slightly because uh, bad things happen to both uh, both sexes, of course. Mm-hmm. So. I was I was so wanting to interrupt you many times throughout that read, Ben, with with things like can can you believe did you hear that part? You know, right. yes, there was so much happening along the way. We're talking about drugs and and inappropriate behavior, underage and, drinking, yeah, and just uh, the, the chances that she's taking. She's seventeen years old. She's with trying, strangers, yeah, exactly, with strangers, and she's getting into vans with guys that have um, you know arrest records, you know, with uh, with uh, warrants out rather, um, even though yeah. it was decades ago. You never know. I mean, it's just this 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 type of lifestyle is so foreign to me. It's something that I've never mm-hmm. experienced. Reading something like this is is truly eye opening. I mean, it really is. It it it, it lets you know um, what some people are going through out there and, and sure. how they're getting around. And can you imagine what her parents are thinking through this whole thing? I mean, clearly they're not not for this type of thing. They're not they're not telling her get out there and experience that this way. <laughs> right. She ran off on her own to do this. And as she says, you know, I I, I realized that, uh, and I forget the way she actually phrased she it. She said uh, she uh, was having a wild life or was, in a word, naughty. Yeah, yeah. She was having a difficult relationship with the kids yeah. and, uh, you know, that she went to school with. And mm-hmm. um, she's saying she was uh, very reckless. And, and I think looking back, she realizes that. And here's someone who's only 20 now. Looking back three years ago saying, yeah, I was really reckless back then. I'm lucky I made it through that. So, but, but yeah. she really poured her heart out to us. And, and Lacey, thank you for the note. It was yeah, amazing to read. Um, it, difficult to read at times. I mean, it's tough to, to hear something like that, but I think it's valuable for our listeners to, to understand that even now, like that's what it's like now. Right. And it goes back to your earlier point regarding cell phones. You know, if she was in text contact with her parents, it's very different than say, the 1980s or something. Yeah, when you, if you ran away and you were gone for a year or however long she was sure. gone, I'm not, I'm not sure the time, you know, that it's involved here. Right. But um, your parents might assume the worst at some point. Well, then also, you know, there, there are different people. We've, we've talked about in the past doing some of these off the grid traveling things. Like, uh, I've had, I've got some folks who work in the train yards, you know, and. Uh, either working on the cars or loading, unloading, stuff like that. And then I also know people who are still hopping trains in this day and age. Riding the rails, huh? Riding the rails, yes, sir. And I've been invited before to go on that stuff, but 
I, I haven't done it. Yeah. And just in full disclosure. Um, but it's strange when you think about, uh, all the different ways that people travel and, and, you know, hop in the trains and, and hitchhiking or have their own set of dangers, right? Sure. But I, you know, I think we both briefly alluded to hitchhiking experiences we had had either hitchhiking or picking up hitchhikers. And so much of it really depends on where you are and the context. And I would not, I, I know that there's somewhat of a romantic notion to it. I'm all for helping somebody get somewhere if I'm on the way there and I don't think they're going to try to be a grifter, but, um, but I myself wouldn't, I don't understand how you would just hitchhike for funsies. Well, Ben, you know, I think you said it exactly perfectly here. It it, it gets romanticized Mm -hmm. and there's a lot of bad that goes along with the good. And, you know, looking back, you may have fond memories of of that, you know, that five years that you spent hitchhiking around Hawaii or wherever you were around the the Southwest. But you're maybe forgetting some of the bad things that happen as well. And, you know, if something really bad happened to you, something really traumatic, maybe that's the only impression that you have of it. And you forget the good times. You forget the good the good things that happened, the good, the good people that you met along the way, you know, the mm-hmm. people that gave you rides, the people that you were um, hitchhiking with, you know, your friends. But, uh, man, there's there's so many angles to this one, and we're we're deep into this uh, this episode already. <laughs> yeah. I've got a lot of notes here still, and we haven't even touched on you know half of the stuff. We that didn't we even to. read both emails. I think part no. of it is because we we read one that was you know that was very long and very detailed. And again, thank you because. Uh, listeners, you'll notice that's the only email we read this time around that comes from someone on the hitchhiking side. Yeah, that's true. And, you know, there were many that we got that were people that offered rides. And right. everything, everything's fine. Uh, you know, there were a couple people that said they had bad situations, like, you know, with loss of a ring and money and, you know, right. maybe not getting a thank you for a 140-mile mm-hmm. ride. Or, oh, man. Oh, uh, that gets me. I'm so vicariously pissed on your behalf. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if I hold the door for somebody and they don't say thanks, I get I kind of like, go, oh, well, was that worth it? Here's you the know? other thing. This is so petty. This is so petty. But, all right, I, I know that it's tough for everybody when we're in traffic or when there's an accident and you have to merge. If I let you in, if I let you merge out of the goodness of my own heart, you know, this, if I'm taking the fall, not just for you, but for everybody behind me and you don't wave, yeah, you, you don't acknowledge it. You better get that over the shoulder wave in the, in the, uh, the back glass. There, You're right? implying that this was destiny, my friend. You know what? I, <laughs> I, I make a conscious decision to do that every time someone lets me in because I know exactly what you're talking about. I and do I, it too, man. I feel the same way. And I think, I think most people do, you know, they think like, I better just give them the little, uh, you know, thank you wave over the right shoulder as, Ooh, I, as I'm driving. What? Did we, I don't think we ever did actually follow through with that podcast on driver car stereotypes. Oh, is this like a courtesy thing almost? Well, you know, it's like, like um, you know, people, but like, but let's be honest, BMW drivers, at least in the States, have a reputation for apparently being rude drivers. I haven't seen anything that confirms it. <laughs> Way to cover yourself there. There's a, you it, I guess maybe we could get some uh, some angry listener email if we did this uh, the stereotype thing. <laughs> Probably, <laughs> right, right? I don't know. Maybe we should. Maybe we should investigate it and see if there's uh, there's a fine line we can walk. Ben. I feel like it should be a listener mail episode too. That would be great. We could probably find some statistics on accidents. Mm-hmm. That would be some solid data. Yeah, we could find some. Uh, we could find amount of cars purchased by like age group or something. You know? Sure. Is this uh, is this going to be like a, a Honda Odyssey witch hunt on your end? 
I will recuse myself from any comments on Honda Odyssey because you, as well as anyone who's listened to past episodes of this show, know full well what those vehicles are like. <laughs> yes, we do. Full well. Okay, I'm yeah. going to let it go. Okay, yeah, yeah, okay, we got it. We it's got it. it's like the way you feel about flying cars. Yeah, right? that's true. That's true. Well, we are going to head out. We know that we ultimately didn't get to all of the listener mail, but we really appreciated everybody's responses uh, regarding this because as we had said at the close of that episode, it was, it became like unexpectedly centered on ethics and morality and crime and safety, you know, big questions that people have yet to answer as a species in general. Sure. Yeah. And I think, I mean, I think the underlying message behind our whole thing, you know, the last two episodes has been, you know, be cautious yet have compassion. Yeah, absolutely. And I would even emphasize be cautious uh, more so than, than you just did in that sentence because ultimately, you know, being compassionate is great. You should also be passionate about your own survival. Yeah, that's true. That's part of the caution part, right? Right. So so be cautious, have compassion, and, and be even more cautious. <laughs> right. And write in. And Those let, three points. Yeah, write in and let us know what you think, especially if you've had hitchhiking experience uh if you've had a particularly good or bad experience we'd like to hear about it on any related note uh so we're going to go ahead and uh head out i don't know scott should i make it official should i ask for driver stereotypes (laughs) why not yeah send them if you got them uh you can hit us up on facebook you can find us on twitter we'd appreciate it if you liked and followed us on there uh we're we're pretty funny on the internet sometimes and you can find us at car stuff hsw if you want to write an email directly to us uh then we love to hear from you that way too our address is car stuff at howstuffworks.com for more on this and thousands of other topics visit howstuffworks.com let us know what you think send an email to podcast at howstuffworks.com Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Hi, I'm Gabby Reese. Join me and my husband, big wave surfer Laird Hamilton, on our journey with Laird Superfood. From our kitchen to yours, we've crafted delicious plant based creamers, coffee, greens, and so much more using high quality functional ingredients. Visit LairdSuperfood.com and use the code GABBY2024 for 20% off your first order. Hey there, it's Ryan Seacrest for Safeway. Now that spring is here, it's time to focus on self-care and revitalize your personal care routine. Now through March 26, head in store, shop for all your favorite personal care essentials and earn four times rewards points. Shop for items like Crest toothpaste, secret deodorant, Old Spice deodorant, or Gillette razors. Offer expires March 26. Restrictions apply. Promotions may vary. Visit Safeway.com for more details.